Amen. Uh, so today, as Lynn shared, we're going to hear some stories from our fusion participants of the spring break trips. As you guys might remember, we actually have six fusion teams this year. Um, and we have all six here with us. Four traveled over spring break and two are traveling in May. Um, and so I hope this is an encouragement to you guys um, as a way just to get you excited about the ways that God has moved on these trips and will continue to do so for you. Um, many of you are familiar with our, our slogan, our, our mission for fusion, but I'll share that again with you. It's really just the people of God sitting here um, encountering the work of God that, that God is already engaging in in the world in a way that crosses some sort of cultural um, boundary of, of difference. And so... Sometimes that means getting on a plane and going to the Philippines, and sometimes that means getting on the T and going into Boston. And I, I kind of have the philosophy that that also could mean just walking up to someone in this room that you don't know their story and learning their story. I think that that is a, a boundary of difference as well. And so um, our vision is just that in doing that, in that discomfort, in that dislocation, that God would would meet with us and that we would see God in the faces of all those kids in that video um, or in the faces of the Treveca students that a lot of our, our teams got to meet. Um, and so I'm going to invite some of them to come, one from each team um, on the spring break teams. And I want, I, I want this to be an encouragement to you because this, is, this wasn't their trip. Um, you journeyed with them in praying for them and giving to them financially. And so in, in asking for those things, they were already inviting you into this work, and this is the other end of that. In sharing what God has done, this is their way of saying, you know, God did this on behalf of his kingdom, which includes you, even if you weren't on the trip, right? And so I, I just want that to be an encouragement to you. This is only one person from each team. Everybody that traveled has a story, has multiple stories. So I encourage you today to find those people and hear more about that. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pray for us before, before we, we get into some stories, okay? Let's pray. God, it is a privilege to join you in this work. We thank you for the opportunities that you've given us to do this and the ways that um, you have blessed the obedience to say yes and to go. We thank you that we have a community that has come around us and support us in this journey um, and in these experiences. We pray that that in sharing these stories, you would be glorified and that we would see your work in and through our friends um, and our peers sitting in this room that are coming to share. So God, we pray that you'd be with them as they share and that you would fill all of their words and that you would speak to us through their stories. We thank you for all the work that you're doing here and all over the world. In your name we pray, amen. All right, first I'm going to have Shalomi come. You want to come on up? Shalomi is a senior. She traveled with the Houston team. Um, this trip was unique because we weren't planning on having this trip. We were going to have three trips, um, but after Hurricane Harvey in August, it was you guys, it was students that really, really wanted a way to respond to some of those natural disasters that were happening, and so we worked with some connections, and we found a local church in in the Houston area, we connected this team with them, and they spent a week with one man repairing his house. Um, but more important than that, they created a really, really special bond with this man. So Shalomi's going to come and tell you about her experience. 
when I first applied for this trip, I felt that God was calling me to experience a different season of restoration, repair, and revival. Coincidentally, this was also our mission statement for our Houston trip, to restore, repair, and revive homes and lives. On March 2nd, when I was packing for my trip, I was overcome by feelings of joy and sorrow. Joy because I was going to experience a very new season of my life. Sorrow because two years ago, that very same day, I lost my best friend to cancer. I lost my grandpa, and he went to be with the Lord. And since that day, um, I had this yearning in my heart. If I could just hold his hand one more time. And that night before the trip, I asked God out of utter desperation, if I could just see grandpa once again, if there was any way that I could hold his hand just one more time. I know it was impossible, but in my head, I thought the only way I could experience this would probably be through a dream or a vision. But God had a better plan to fulfill my desire. When we arrived at the work site, Mitzi, one of the coordinators, gave us a background on the story of the person whose home we were assigned to work on, Mr. Lori Diggs. She told us how he had been through several back-to-back -back tragedies in his life, including losing his children to different um, accidents. And fast forward to 2017 in the summer, uh, this man in his 80s was sitting on his reclining chair and watched the water level rise as it took away all his belongings. As she spoke to us, my heart broke for Mr. Diggs. In my hurt and frustration, I thought to myself and asked God, is this man ever going to experience a happy day in his life? During the devotion time, I shared this experience with my team. And as a response, Shirley, one of my team members, asked me, Shlomi, what if we are his answered prayer and his way to experience joy in his life? I understood that question better when every day I watched Mr. Diggs proudly burn the remnants of the wood and the remnants of the destruction caused by the hurricane and getting to see his home being rebuilt and restored. Mr. Diggs radiated nothing but hope and joy, which was really extraordinary for someone who had gone through so many series of tragedies in his life. He had a sense of peace that was beyond comprehensible to our minds. And I also couldn't help but notice how similar he looked to my grandpa. Working on his home in itself was a blessing, but my joyous moment was when I got to hold his hand, walk a short distance, and talk with him. That moment, I felt that grandpa was closer to me more than I ever thought. And this was my moment of answered prayer. Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God goes before you wherever you go. To hope even on the most extreme conditions requires a sense of courage. It's not about being in denial when you're hoping. Sometimes the purpose to our suffering is beyond our ability to understand. And that is okay because God always leaves a remnant for us to remember that the God who sustained us in the times of light is very much capable to sustain us in the times of darkness. With these words, I pray that God gives us the courage to choose faith over fear every day as we walk the unfamiliar. I pray that God gives us the strength to reach out to those people in our beloved community 
to be a helping hand to remind them of God's unfailing love and unfailing promises. I pray that God gives each and every one of us an opportunity to see that how we too can be an answer to someone else's prayer. All right, next we're gonna hear from Kishard Cherry. Come on up, give her a hand. So you traveled all over the South, right? How many states did you guys go to? Four, four states in one week. And so they were part of what we're calling the Southern Culture and Civil Rights Tour. We can't put a location because there were so many. Um, and so Trevecca hosted three of our uh, fusion participants on this trip. So they got to make a lot of new friends and they traveled all around. They went to museums, they talked to leaders um, in the civil rights movement and they just learned a lot about the history of that. Um, and why it matters right now, not just why it's history, but why it matters for right now. So. I remember first learning about segregation and civil rights at an early age in school, but it was through EMC's fusion trip that took me and um, Ayana and Trina and Professor Bryant to the Southern Cultural, Musical, and Civil Rights Tour. I got to experience firsthand what I learned. I never thought I can I can get the chance to walk in the footsteps of history, my history, our history. Um, it was we went down we went down to Nashville and, and met um, with 15 Trevecca students and three uh, staffs from Trevecca. We journeyed on a, on two shuttles to 10 cities across four states: Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana, over the course of nine days. Myself and uh, and everybody else got a chance to walk across the, the Edmund Prestis Bridge, a bridge named after a KKK um, wizard, on the 53rd anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King's lead march from Selma to Montgomery. We got a chance to, to drive on the back roads of Mississippi where three civil rights activists, Andrew Goodman, Mickey Schreiner, and James Cheney were murdered by the Ku Klux Klan. This sparked um, national outrage because um, it was two, two out of three of them were white. And we got a chance to meet with Dr. Charles Johnson, an uh, African-American Nazarene pastor who um, testified in this um, federal case. And uh, Dr. Charles Johnson w was a man who faced discrimination in the Church of the Nazarene and in Mississippi. And we, we asked him how did he push past the fears. Um, he said it was through God that, that, that embraced him to do what was right despite the consequences he knew that he, he may face. Um, this was powerful and had st st um, stuck with me to this day. It made me think like, what, what would I, what would I um, give up in, in my life for, um, for God. We got to learn about the sacrifices made, ma made by many young people like our age and about children's and, and we um, like the children Mars in Birmingham, Alabama. We got to go to that park and see that, see, um, see all the monuments and stuff. And um, we also got to learn about jazz and blues and learn about like Artists like Louis Armstrong, who was born at, at this time, 
a time in American history that was very scary and, and dangerous. And um, um, through music, God was able to like bring bring people like black people like peace and everything. And then this proved that through bad situations, God can create beautiful things. And, and yeah, it was a great experience. And um, I hope um, next time, like there'll be more people who would go because um, I learned I learned a lot. Like when we went to Dr. Martin Luther King's house, we we met with um, d um, the lady who was giving us a tour of his house was someone who who was a child at the time. And then she was telling us about like how she was called the N-word so many times. And then I, I used her N-word all the time, not even thinking. It made me think like um, how, I, how I would use it and like try to not use it anymore. Because um, I know because of hip hop culture, it's like cool to use it, but it ha actually has like a real po powerful meaning that I knew about, but I got to like learn like, wow, it, it, it is really a bad word that shouldn't be used and that I shouldn't use just because I'm black and everything. And um, yeah, and um, it was a great trip. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Janin. Janin's up next. <laughs> So Janin was a part of the Boston Fusion trip. <laughs> Janin's so fun. He's awesome. Um, Janin, were you the only male on that team? He was. And, <laughs> and it wasn't just Alicia, Caitlin, and Janin. We had, we had, so we had Treveca students come join us for this. All female. All female. <laughs> so Janin has a really um, unique perspective from this trip, they focused on the intersection, intersectionality between domestic violence, human exploitation, um, and, and how that's happening right here in our backyard in Boston. And so, Janin, share with us what you learned. During the week, uh, there were several different setbacks and changes to our schedule uh, due to flooding in Quincy and a snowstorm during the week. Uh, this caused us to have to be very flexible and change up our schedule quite a bit throughout the week. Despite this, I still believe it set it up for God's purpose. The first half of the week consisted of, mostly due to scheduling, a good amount of education on the topic of human trafficking. We visited different organizations and did different types of service. The biggest impact of the trip for Mia deals with the final day. We visited Amira, a safe house for women who are victims of sex trafficking. Amira was the first place where we would see actual victims and I was excited and nervous about this day because I thought of it as the culmination of all the things we had done, an opportunity where we could finally be active in uh, helping victims of human trafficking. We were going to the house to do some cleaning and I was excited to work in any capacity I could. However, things did not go exactly as planned when we arrived. Unfortunately, the staff did not inform the women we were coming and as a result, some residents were uncomfortable Woman, one, one woman even had a panic attack when we arrived. Upon our arrival, we were taken downstairs and told about the organization what we would be doing. Me, being the only male in the group, I was not able to clean certain sections of the home because it would cause stress and discomfort to the women. One thing I could do was hang up flyers for the fundraiser, so I was glad to help in any way I could. 
Uh, the reason it stuck with me was simply the fact that being a male, I visually represented some of the trauma these women endured. It made me realize that in many situations and missions, barriers may be created whether because of culture, beliefs, or gender. While I was trying hard to do what God wanted of me, I felt discouraged throughout the week because of the suffering of human trafficking and the barriers that make it difficult to help survivors. After our time at Amira, we spent the afternoon with another survivor of exploitation and trafficking. She was saved by God's grace and now runs an organization that helps women who are vulnerable to exploitation. Although our time with her was brief, meeting her and hearing her story was able to wrap up what I had learned during the week. I was able to see God's redemption and grace in a world of darkness and hopelessness. This gave me the opportunity to see how mission work is different than other forms of helping because God transcends all these barriers caused by our differences. I saw how God can use us in ways we can't imagine or ways we may not like. While hanging up signs was not what I dreamed and hoped of doing, it still made a difference in the lives of these women. Acts 17.24 says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. God is not contained by the barriers and customs that we are. He transcends the world we live in. And in the field such as sex trafficking and where men are typically the perpetrators, I think it is even more important for Christian men to be a part of this movement to end human trafficking. <laughs> Thanks, Janin. All right, we have one more speaker. Morgan Reed is going to come share. She went to the Philippines. I was also on that trip. Um, we went to Manila, and we worked with child development centers through the Nazarene Church. Uh, the Nazarene Church is really good at providing for children in, in the Philippines especially. And so we got to see that work firsthand. We got to see students who are um, they're in school because they're in the child sponsorship program. And we got to talk to their parents. We were in their homes, um, and their parents were very, parents, grandparents were very grateful for people here in the States, in North America, that are providing for their kids. Um, and so we also got to spend some time at, this is a mouthful, Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary, um, which is the Nazarene, it's technically one of our sister schools. It's a seminary, so people go study theology there. Um, they have some masters in child development, which some of our students are thinking of going and studying there, which is really awesome, if that's something you're interested in. Talk to Ashley and Caitlin Knickerbocker, they know all about it now. Um, and so this is, Morgan's going to share a journal entry that she wrote while she was in, uh, in the Philippines traveling. So come on up, Morgan. There had to have been at least 10 of them. As I walked toward them, they stared. Who knows when their last meal was? Flies swarmed their seemingly lifeless bodies as they slept. What else could they do? There was one young girl who looked to be no older than 12. She stared at me with a broken smile as I stared back with a smile that probably looked as if I was in pain. I was. I was hurting for these children who slept bodies on top of bodies on the hard concrete behind a store. I was hurting because I did not know what to do. The little boys fixed their hair as they awoke to see my team with what was probably the best meal that they had in a long time. It was just McDonald's. We quickly realized that we didn't have enough food when more kids started coming from behind the building and from the one beside it. 
My heart broke because I came to the realization that I don't know how to give enough to help all of these starving children right in front of me, let alone solve the problem of starvation in the world. As we were leaving, the same little girl rushed to tell me that I was beautiful and that she loved my braids. I froze. I panicked. I don't even know why. I said thank you, but I could have asked her her name, could have asked about her life or anything. I just had no words because I so badly wanted to say that Jesus loved her and that it was all going to be okay. But how convincing would I really be when she looked around? How convincing would I be as we drove away in our air-conditioned bus, probably never to see her again? How convincing would I be when I complained about only eating rice some meals because I was a vegetarian and there was no other option for me? How convincing could I be? As we returned to the seminary campus to debrief, Caitlin shared the, that the young girl's name was Anna, and that Anna thanked her and said, God bless her, and I started to cry. Anna, who struggles to find food and sleeps on the hard concrete every night, sees God. Anna, who watches over this group of little boys like a mother when she didn't even have one herself, sees God. Matthew 4, 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to be lights to this world through Christ, and that is exactly what Anna was to me. When I struggled to see God, Anna showed him to me. In the midst of all that darkness, and when I struggled to be the light for her, Anna was the light for me. So fusion has left me feeling hurt and hungry for change. It has left me longing to help those children who are left without parents, starving and begging for food, and too often sold into sex trafficking. I have experienced what it looks like to be hungry for food and what it feels like to hunger to see God in a place where it is difficult to see him. I've experienced God in a new and challenging ways that have left me knowing that I need to be like Anna, a light. I have learned that we as Christians cannot simply look at a problem and walk away feeling discouraged, but instead, it's our responsibility to take action and make a difference to help anyone and everyone that we're able to. That's the best outcome I could have asked for. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give it up one more time for all of those stories. Um, I don't think anybody on our team felt great um, about hearing that story. Some of us saw it. Some of us didn't, hap didn't see it happen. But once we knew what happened, that we didn't have enough food, um, I don't think any of us felt great about that. But a lot of what we've learned from these trips in general, um, we, see, we go and we see a lot of hurt and a lot of brokenness. But if the fear of that discomfort of journeying with people stops us from doing anything, um, I think that's a problem more than the brokenness. There's brokenness in the world, it's inevitable, but it's our job to journey alongside people in that um, and take on that burden, bear that burden with them. That's what Christ did in coming here uh, to live amongst people. And so there's good and there's bad in these stories. There's happy moments, sad moments, hard moments, but overall God uses these trips and he speaks to us um, and he encourages us that change can be made, um, sometimes in really small ways. Those kids were still blessed by the food that we brought them um, because it was an act of love, right? And so just let that be an encouragement that 
that maybe there is a, a, a chance for you to go on one of these trips someday um, and to encounter some of this stuff um, and really to encounter God. And so two of these trips that are happening uh, in May are sitting right here. We have a team that the Bells are going to lead to Ndola, Zambia. This trip is unique. We have some psychology people. We have some soccer players. We have some people that are both. Um, and so this trip, they're going to lead, uh, they're going to facilitate a counseling psychology conference. And then while some of them are doing that, other people are going to go do a soccer clinic and play soccer in the villages. That really is a way that the church ministers in those communities. And so we're going to pray for, the, for that team in a minute here. And then we have a team going to Kenya. Professor Tegerstrand is leading a trip to Nairobi. Um, they're going to learn a little bit about peace and reconciliation. We have another sister school called Africa Nazarene University there where um, they're going to meet people and to actually be in classes with students from ANU learning about these things. And then they're going to get out uh, into some of the ministries that are happening there. So they're going to get to participate in that. So uh, like we did before the spring break teams went, we're going to... Uh, just as a community, gather around and pray for these teams. Dr. Mila Bell is going to lead us in that. So if you're on the Kenya team or the Zambia team, would you come on up to the front? And if anybody um, has a friend that, that you want to come pray for, feel free to come on up and gather around this team as we pray. So come on up if you'd like. All right, as the teams are coming up, if you could stand with us, and we'll pray for both teams. We appreciate your support so much. All right, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the impact of the four teams that we just heard about. Lord, we're just so thankful for the way they served, the way they bared your image, the way they exuded love, that they leaned in when you asked them to. They showed up for your will. We thank you for that. Lord, thank you for ENC. We thank you for the fusion trips. And now we take time to pause to lift up both teams going to Africa. The team that's going to Kenya and Nairobi, and we'll focus on peace and reconciliation, and preventing gender-based violence. I lift up the team that Coach Bell and I will lead to Zambia. And Lord, as we go to Africa, and uh, we become acquainted with our brothers and sisters there, Lord, we ask for your blessing on our travels to bring us safely there. May we come together as a team in a way that glorifies you. Lord, help us as we arrive to be ready to serve, to serve you. May you uh, reveal your will for us, and may we uh, lean in and be accessible. May our heart break for what breaks your heart. May we accept and receive the love that they give. May we see the light in your image in them as we uh, strive to live out your will to share love, to share light. We thank you for your will and your
design of fellowship. We thank you for these friendships. We thank you for these relationships. We thank you for our hosts who are inviting us and ask that you bless them. Jubilee Center, the partner we have in, in uh, Zambia, ask that you bless the people that we will meet. Uh, with the Nazarene School, they will serve in Nairobi. May you bless them. And Lord, as we go, uh, help us to prepare our hearts and our minds. Help us to be accessible. Help us to lean in and in a way that promotes healing. And when we see suffering, Lord, help us to be there. And again, we want to be able to share compassion that is from you. Help us to do that in a way that glorifies you. I thank you for each student that is willing to be a kingdom citizen, citizen in this way. We thank you for their willingness to serve and to go forth. May you protect each team, and we ask for a circle of protection about, around both teams as we go. Lord, have your way with us. We pray these things in your precious son's name. Amen. If you could sta stay standing, we'll uh, sing the doxology together. Um, we thank you so much for being here. All right, let's sing together. Praise God from whom all blessings. 